Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. To talk some Giants football and to talk about this Saquon Barkley situation, his contract, the state of running backs, the value of running backs in the NFL, and also to look at the Giants' big picture, the expectations for the team. To talk about all of that, we bring in Dan Schneier. He is co-host of Big Blue Banter, Giants podcast, as well as senior fantasy sports writer, uh, sports editor for CBS Sports, cbssports.com. Dan, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me again, Lori. I love talking Giants football with you. (laughs) Um, So... Last weekend, I had on Ryan Dunleavy um, from the New York Post, who um, has been, an, you know, kind of defending, I would say, the value of running backs and um, putting out there the point of view about the Giants, how they and Saquon were a few million dollars apart, and the Giants should have paid that amount to get him, you know, in and happy and all that sort of stuff. And he and I debated that a little bit, and I thought it would be interesting this weekend to come back and have you on. I believe, from what I can tell and I've heard from you, that you probably have a point of view that's more similar to mine, but I thought we would um, bring an alternate point of view on. So let's talk about Saquon Barkley um, and the Giants. And what I like about what you all do is um, you have data to back up the point of view. And so let's, so with Saquon Barkley and the Giants, what would you have done if you were advising Joe Shane? How would you have handled his contract? So I honestly think that the way Joe Shane handled this contract is the best way to have handled this contract negotiations. And I know it's a tough pill to swallow for some Giants fans, and I understand. But let's just take a step back and take the fandom out of it for a minute and or a moment just to think about the overall perspective here. Joe Shane saw a collapsing running back market this offseason. We had situations where Joe Mixon forced to take a pay cut or lose his spot. Dalvin Cook released in the middle of a long-term contract. Miles Sanders, the biggest contract in the market, barely touches $6 million. Austin Eckler complains for a raise, gets a raise, but it's only $8.45 million. So Joe Shane's sitting there and he's saying, I have a $10 million franchise tag here at a position that typically at this point declines around the age of 27 we're starting to see. So a steep drop-off around the age of 27 on average. So what's my best option here? Is it to go against the grain and go against what everyone in the NFL is doing and essentially buck the trend of the market? Or is it to kind of play into that and, you know, follow along those lines and understand that this is maybe a great asset for the Giants right now, Saquon Barkley, but will he be a great asset for the Giants 
two, three, four years down the line. And so I think he did what he had to do. It was a tough decision. I never expected it, Lori. I followed this team for a long time, and Saquon was a player that I thought they would, the past regimes at least, would kind of just say, you know what, we love him so much, maybe we'll just take a little bit of a negative EV move here. But it didn't happen. Joe Shane stood his ground, and now we're sitting here, and Saquon Barkley, in my mind, has very little leverage, and the Giants are in a very good position with him. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about past regimes and the Giants. I think that this Saquon Barkley contract negotiation, I think, showed a lot of us that when John Mara said he was going to stay out of um, that, con- you know, Joe Shane and let him do his job, I think we're seeing that he is. And because in the past, Saquon Barkley and how much affection John Mara has for him and the merchandising and marketing value to the franchise of having a player like that on the team, all of that could have counterbalanced and we didn't see it. And I think to your point, it gets at the heart of the matter, which is fans may be unhappy with what running backs are getting paid right now because they may think it's unfair and that may be valid, but if the Giants were to have paid Saquon Barkley more than the franchise tag, then on a certain level, aren't you negotiating with yourself against yourself? And isn't that what, when we look back at Dave Gettleman, the former general manager, and for instance, the Kenny Galladay contract, isn't that where you run into problems? Yeah, exactly. And the bigger example, that was actually the Leonard Williams contract. He traded for Leonard Williams in a contract year knowing that, well, he just traded assets for him. He's about to be a free agent. What kind of leverage does Dave Settlement and the Giants have now? None, because you got to resign and you just traded for him. So they went against that. They kind of used the actual leverage they have right now to make this difficult decision. Um, and, and I think it's the right one. I know it's a difficult pill to follow, like I said, but I think long-term for the Giants, it's the right one. You're seeing all these teams having trouble keeping these running back contracts between the Bengals, forcing Mixon to take the pay cutter, and like I mentioned, the, the Vikings. And those teams have quarterback leader about to get paid or getting paid right now. And the Giants now have a quarterback who's getting paid. It's very difficult to also fit a running back salary on there while trying to improve the offensive line and, and obviously the passing game. What would you say to Giants fans who um, look at the Daniel Jones contract and they say, well, Saquon Barkley is a, I don't know, we want to call him maybe a top five player uh, potentially at his position in the NFL and Daniel Jones is um, we can talk about is he a top 12 is he a top 15 is he a top 16 whatever it is um, quarterback in the NFL let's call him a top 15 ballpark if he's that and fans who say well then how come Daniel Jones is getting paid all that money and the $40 million annual value. Um, and you know, why did they essentially choose the quarterback over the running back? So the, the key factor here is it's a projection. What they're doing here is they're projecting that Daniel Jones at age 25 is going to get better over the course of his career and over the course of this contract, while Barkley, in a long-term deal, unfortunately is very difficult for any running back age 26, going on 27, to get better throughout the duration of their contract. That's the unfortunate reality of the position. And the market also says so, because you can get rid of a quarterback like Daniel Jones, and then what were the Giants going to do? They were either going to go back to the draft, maybe make a trade for a veteran quarterback, something that didn't look like it's working out so well for Denver. And at running back, if you move on after the tag this year, next season, or if they tag him again, or if he gets a trade, whatever it may be, if he hits the market, 
the Giants have a much easier plan and path for replacing the running back production and the running back in general than they do the quarterback in finding that position. So in reality, it seems crazy on paper if you look at the offense last year, but it's all about position scarcity and position value, and those are two key things that Joe Shane is putting importance on. And he said it, and the funny thing is, when he got the job, the first interview I heard with him, I think it was with John Schmelt from Giants.com, he said, one thing we're really going to focus on is positional value. He said, when you see these offensive tackles and corners at the market, look at and wide receivers now, look at the deals they're getting. We need to make sure we use our premium draft capital to get those positions so we don't have to pay them yet, so we can have them under the rookie contract. And I think, in his mind, running back is just not a premium position. And I think that that is an opinion shared by most general managers around the league, and we're seeing the Giants kind of catch up to the thinking that is shared around the league. Uh, We're talking to Dan Schneier about the Giants, and what would you do if um, any suggestions, if you were, I'm sure you saw there was the Zoom call um, that Austin Eckler gathered on Saturday of all the top running backs in the league, Saquon Barkley included, but uh, Derek Henry and, you know, Josh Jacobs and Saquon and everybody on that call. What would you do to try and fix the running back valuation problem? Is there a fix that you can think of? So there are some fixes for now, and there's some, there's one fix I have in mind for now, or I'll, I'll get to that, and then one that's really going to wait. Any real fix, unfortunately, Lori, is going to have to take place in 2030 when they right. negotiate the new CBA. Right. And there's some ideas for that. I heard one today from uh, Dominique Foxworth via Rich Eisen, and he's saying the NFL gives out about $330 million a year in performance-based escalators, basically. You get mm-hmm. money based on performance. You boost up running backs in that. You put them as the, the you know the premier position that gets the performance based pay. They get a huge chunk of that three thirty million every year, whatever it may be, and that, as a collective. And then that's maybe one way to fix it and, that's and help way, them get paid. Yeah, the uh, another one that I was thinking of, but again, it waits um, for twenty thirty. Is that you could change um, and broaden the franchise um, designation for running backs and include them, you know, potentially it could be a skilled player uh, designation and you lump them with wide receivers. Maybe even you bring tight ends in there, but certainly that would allow, you know, what it would mean is essentially that no running backs would ever get franchised because nobody would want to pay them like the top five at that position, which would be, um, which would be wide receiver money. And then at least they'd have that opportunity to get to the open market as well. Yeah, I still don't know if that would lead to them getting the contracts they deserve on a long-term basis. I still think the problem is there of teams not wanting to invest in this mm-hmm. position long-term yep. with guaranteed money. But it's an idea as well, and those are all things that will happen in 2030. Right. What I would say now, if you're if you're an yeah. agent and you and you have a running back, what I would say now is get him right out there and tell him you got to start training your routes, you got to start running routes, and you got to start becoming a, an elite pass catcher. And that doesn't just doesn't mean catching flare routes and checkdowns. It means being someone who can win one-on-one routes and being mm-hmm. someone who can line up in the slot yep. and on the boundary and force teams to have specific, have to use specific defenders. And this was a big point of contention for Barkley. He mentioned it in a podcast he was on recently talking about the contract situation. He said, the Giants told me they view me like a Nick Chubb type. And I said, I'm like a, you know, Alvin, uh, an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type. And he's like, look, I broke the franchise record for receptions uh, in 2018 as a rookie. And that's all true and well, but, 
most of those receptions were check downs from Eli Manning because the offensive line was a disaster and Eli was at the point of his career. He didn't want to get hit. And a lot of the receptions last year were flare outs. And so he's not at that level of McCaffrey and Kamara who can line up on the outside, command attention from some teams that don't even have a linebacker that can match up. And then they have to use a safety or a defensive back and it screws up their whole uh, you know, it screws up their whole style of defense and their system. And that's the key right now. Get your running backs to be elite route runners because then these teams can play position in football. And those are the contracts that will happen. And Christian McCaffrey, if he comes along again, he will get a second contract because he allows you to do so much schematically. But the Giants don't view Barkley in that light. I know a lot of fans do because of the reception numbers. But if you look a little deeper and you dig a little deeper, he's not that, that kind of route runner. He doesn't command that kind of defensive attention. I think you're you're absolutely right on that, which is when we think about receivers, we talk about the route tree and the different routes that they can run. And for fans who want to do their own research on this, a couple, a few that come to mind for me, you mentioned um, Christian McCaffrey, obviously, you know, watch some tape on him running routes at Alvin Kamara. I also remember Le'Veon Bell being a terrific um receiving running back in his Steeler days. And I also would even say today is, um, you know, go back last season and watch Aaron Jones with the Packers and how they line him up um, and what he does. And there's a difference. You'll be able to see it with your eyes, the kind of routes those players run and how they can line up on the outside and and beat players in one-on-one matchups in a way that Saquon's receptions are, you know, they're running out of the, you know, he's he's flaring out, um, you know, wheel routes, running out of the backfield. And it's a different thing in terms of uh, of being used as a weapon. Um, and look, he claims, he claimed at least in the podcast, that he can do all of those things McCaffrey and Kamara can do. The unfortunate reality is we haven't seen it yet. And now we're three, you know, it's four years into his, five years into his career. Had Brian Dable, before maybe you can make the excuse, okay, well, he had really bad coaching who couldn't get him in those positions. But now he had, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, guys who got career year out of Daniel Jones. You know what I mean? These are great coaches, and they still weren't using him in the ways you just described. Um, Dan, did you see the podcast that Carl Banks dropped tonight with his his suggestion to Saquon, which was, um, from the little I could tell, I've been on the air, but the gist of it, it sounds like is play and maximize your your merchandising and off-field brand value. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I thought it was great advice. It was sound advice from Carl, and Carl's been through that. Carl was somebody who I think, I believe, I read he held out twice in his career, mm-hmm. and he probably went through these positions and, you know, understood. Like, it's unfortunate. I feel bad for Saquon in this because yep. he deserves better, and all these running backs do, but they don't. Ha- he doesn't have much leverage now. He can't really afford to sit out this season because if he did, he goes back to the open market, but he loses that $10 million he would have made this year, and he's a year older, and who's going to give him that contract then? So, it, I agree with Carl. I think the best thing he can do is play and try to maximize other ways to make money and kind of make up that difference that he feels he's he's owed. Yeah, I agree on that. Is I uh, you know feel badly for him and for the state of the running back position, but at this point, um, if you're Saquon, take the ten million dollars this year and don't jeopardize that and play as well as you can to try and get a contract uh, for next year while you while you still are in your playing prime. Um, Let's turn big picture to the Giants. And what was your favorite offseason move this year? I think the, my favorite offseason move was actually the decision to sign Bobby Okereke from the Colts. I felt like from watching the team last year, 
and this was especially true in the playoff game they lost to the Eagles. The run defense was their biggest weakness, and more importantly, it was the perimeter run defense. It was, if you wanted to run power schemes against the Giants and get pulling guards and get your running back in space, there was no one to scrape over at linebacker and make a play sideline to sideline, and that's exactly what Bobby Okereke brings to this defense. He is not a perfect inside linebacker, not Bobby Wagner. He's not going to be the coverage guy that Fred Warner is, but he is going to be a sideline to sideline playmaker who's going to clean up and mask a lot of those deficiencies they had last year defending power and gap runs, and that's insanely important in this division. But the Eagles, who are great at that, and the Cowboys, who also you know, made a really big move last draft to get Tyler Smith, and their offensive line seems like it's right back on track. Any issue with the contract that Joe Shane paid there? I think it was you know, four years, 40, um, and uh, 21-8, it looks like, guaranteed. Um, you know, I I think you're you're certainly right. That was a huge weakness. They needed um, help an inside linebacker, no doubt about it. But there were some values that seemed to be out there at linebacker later in the offseason. So for me, the answer is no, because while I do agree there were some value plays at linebacker, even earlier on in free agency, there wasn't really anyone else in the market who I believe can do what he can do, Bobby Okereke, which is, again, that sideline-to-sideline speed and ability to win against those specific style of runs that have killed the Giants. A lot of those linebackers, TJ Edwards was somebody from the Eagles I was interested in, but he wasn't going to be that guy. He was more of his own system fit. This was somebody who can, you know, has the speed to make plays sideline to sideline. That's simply what they need right now. And if we look big picture, do you think the Giants have closed this past off season? Have they closed the talent gap between Giants and Eagles, Giants and Cowboys? Um, in the division, in the NFC, or um, has that widened this past offseason? I believe they closed the talent gap between themselves and the Cowboys right now. I do not believe they closed the talent gap between them and the Eagles. That's a gap that is about the same, if not bigger, because the Eagles had another great offseason and they had another great draft. And this is just something that the Giants fans, and fortunately we have to deal with for as long as Howie Roseman is running that roster, um, and for as long as Jeff Stoutland is coaching that offensive line, because he seems to find a way to develop these guys into monsters on the offensive line. So it's not closed yet with Philadelphia, but I feel better about where they're at versus Dallas. And um, in terms of, uh, so here's a question that somebody on uh, on social wanted me to ask you, which is, is you know when you look at the Giants, um, I, I think we all, believe that if healthy Darren Waller will be the number one receiving option for this team but if we're looking at the wide receivers is there an alpha number one wide receiver type or who's the closest to that that you think is on this Giants roster for me it's Isaiah Hodgins without a doubt because Isaiah Hodgins is a player who on tape and that's what we do at Big Blue Banter we break down the tape Every week we do an offensive film breakdown, a defense film breakdown. On film, there's not many weaknesses to his game besides the deep speed. And that's just the simple raw speed that isn't even that important because there were multiple routes last year that he put on tape that you can go back and look at. He got open vertically with a double move that didn't require 4-4 speed. It just required great route running and savvy. And that's something he does really well. He sets up his routes with his shoulder fakes and with his lower half by doing a really good job of just the nuances of route running. He attacks every route. He even talked about it once, how he learned from Stefan Diggs during his time with the Bills about how to attack routes. And he, 
adds into the, in addition to the route running, he had really good hands, had a great catch rate last year. He became a big threat in the red zone, touchdown in four of his last five games, Isaiah Hodgins. And he has a big catch radius as well at six foot four. You saw that in the Vikings playoff game when he ran that out route and Jones on that second, uh, 10 rolled to the left and hit him 17 yards down the field. So I think Isaiah Hodgins is going to play the most snaps of all these receivers by far because he is a boundary receiver who's a big guy at six foot four and can block is the best blocker on the team. So because he's going to play the most routes, have a good red zone role, I think he's going to be the most productive receiver on the team. And is there, you know, obviously uh, training camp starts on Wednesday. Um, is there a position battle as the, the Giants start training camp that you're going to have your eye on? There are a lot of position battles I'm going to have my eye on, but one that really interests me right now is what they're going to do at safety next to Xavier McKinney. Because a lot of people thought when they signed Bobby McKinney, he would just come right in and be that safety. But the Giants experimented with a lot of different things in camp, even at one point moving Nick McLeod out there to safety. McLeod was really surprisingly an unheralded player on tape Mm -hmm. last year at corner. Came right in off the street, basically, picked up the system fast and made plays in the ball, and they kind of maybe see something in him. Like, he can be that safety that, you know, is just an – the same thing kind of happened with Julian Love, right? Earlier in his career, a little bit of a corner, mixed it outside at corner at times in the slot as a nickel, and then he kind of picked it up at safety and hit a stride. Maybe the same thing can happen with McLeod. So I'm interested to see if he can win that job and what's going to happen with the second safety spot next to McKinney. Yeah, it seemed like Adoree Jackson was raving about Nick McLeod. And um, so interesting. Um, you know, We'll see what happens there. And then finally, last question before I let you go. Big picture. Um, before, you know, on, on the almost eve of, uh, of training camp, what are your expectations for the Giants for this season? And what would success look like with, you know, given a, a much more difficult strength of schedule coming into the year? The schedule is definitely harder, no doubt. And I think a lot of focus has been there, and maybe rightfully so. But I think this roster is also a lot better. I mentioned the Bobby O'Karake edition. The biggest difference will be if they can keep themselves healthy on the defensive line because, on the defensive line, you have a lot of good potential there. If Aziz Ojolari can stay healthy, if Kayvon Thibodeau, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, and Nation Robinson make up a really strong front. So I think this team could actually be much better despite playing a different, more difficult schedule. And success for me would be 10 wins, one more win than last season, and more importantly, a win against Dallas, or maybe two wins against Dallas, maybe two of three against Dallas and, and Philadelphia, and you're really cooking at that point. You're talking about a successful season because they've even discussed how they really want to close the gap, specifically in the NFC East. So division wins, 10 wins, playoff berth, I would consider that a success. That's um, that's maybe a little loftier than what I was expecting for <laughs> For the season, given the schedule, but uh, but I think a lot of I I believe a lot of Giants fans would sign up for that. Dan Schneier, he is the co-host of Big Blue Banter podcast. If you are a Giants fan, and if you are at all interested in breaking down film and uh, and analyzing positions and a little bit of the data of the game. I think you will love this podcast. Dan, appreciate the time. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you so much, Lori. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.